Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you are producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am absolutely thrilled to have my next guest here. We have Sophia Maroon, who is the founder and CEO of an incredible brand called Dress It Up Dressing. And our mutual friend, Alex Wallace, introduced us. And thank you so much, Alex, if you're listening. Sophia is, as I mentioned, the founder and the CEO of an incredible food brand called Dress It Up Dressing that you all need to try. It is so, so good. You can find it at Whole Foods and Sprouts and others that are really focused on providing great products for consumers like you. And she has such an interesting story in addition to creating an amazing product. She was actually a documentary filmmaker before. So we're going to talk about the differences that she sees in careers, the similarities as well. We'll hear more about 
their B Corp initiative and overall what the journey's been all about over the last 10 years and becoming an entrepreneur in the food industry. So I'm super, super excited to talk to Sophia. And without further ado, welcome. How are you? Hi, Kara. I'm fine, thanks. Thank you so much for having me on. Very, very excited to have you here. So let's start at the beginning, or I should say, let's start at the beginning of Dress It Up Dressing. So I'd love for you to share with everybody, what is Dress It Up Dressing? When you have to describe it to people, maybe you're describing it to friends, especially in the early days, what are you doing, Sophia? You're going and starting a dressing company. Share sort of like, what it is that you've done. Sure. So salad dressing is the sleepy part of the supermarket, but I think of it as being like Cinderella's fairy godmother. When you put a good dressing on your food, it can transform it. It can take something that is otherwise like, you know, just a bowl of leaves and turn it into what feels like a gourmet dish, but it's got to be a good dressing. And when I looked at the salad dressing aisle, I didn't see anything there that I wanted to eat. It didn't look like what I made from scratch at home. And I didn't buy it for that reason. And so I tried to create a salad dressing that was the same as what you would make from scratch. So it's olive oil. And what is kind of the main difference between what you wanted to create and what you saw on the shelf? Well, so most salad dressings, like it's so funny because you go to the salad dressing aisle and there are just hundreds of bottles. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you turn them over, they're all exactly the same. It's Mm -hmm. canola oil usually, and then water and xanthan gum and sugar and salt and, and all of these ingredients. It's like they took what was olive oil and then they got the cheaper substitute and they took vinegar and they got the cheaper substitute. And for all of these things, they just kind of diluted it. And then they literally diluted it by adding a lot of water. And in order to get all of that dilution into substance that was more like a sauce. They add gums and starches and sugar and salt. And so what we do is completely different. It's olive oil, vinegar, good balsamic vinegar, mustard, and fresh garlic. And that is the recipe that my mother made for us every night when I was growing up. She had a vinaigrette recipe that she thinks she got from her cousin Brigitte, but Brigitte thinks that she got her recipe from my mother. <laughs> so nobody really knows where the recipe came from, but but now I seem to be taking all the credit for it. So it was just simple ingredients. And and I, you know, this is where sort of if you're if you're completely naive, you're able to walk into the store and and or walk into a co-packer in my case and say like, hey, I want to make a dressing with olive oil, vinegar, mustard, and garlic. And they say, no, that's not how you make it. You use canola and water and xanthan gum and sugar and salt and and all these other things. And I just kind of naively went in and tried to create something that resembled homemade. And um, and that was how we got here. I love it. I'd love to hear a little bit more about founding your company. You had been a documentary filmmaker. You had also done some other things prior to that. And now you were going to go and start a consumer products company around an idea that you had a, a love and a need that you saw, but it was definitely different. So how did you think about that? Well, so it didn't really happen in that order. I was, so my brother has always held that there was a business to be had in the salad dressing that our mother served us every night growing up. And and he would always talk about it, like who's going to sell mom salad dressing, and and so I feel like it started as a bit of a dare. Mm-hmm. Like he'd been talking about it for so long, and in 2012, I 
wanted to go back to work. And I had three children under the age of 10. And so I couldn't go back to filmmaking. Filmmaking is fantastic work, but the hours are not really amenable to, to raising three children. And I was a single mother too. And so I had a lot on my hands, but salad dressing I could make. So I started floating my brother's idea and I started sharing dressing with friends who then shared it with their friends and, and they all encouraged me. And soon I was running this little, uh, kind of black market salad dressing company out of out of the back of my car. And I would go every week to Whole Foods and pick up empty clementine boxes. And that's what I used to deliver the dressing around the neighborhood. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. 
Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. And one day, the guy from Whole Foods that gave me the Clementine boxes just said, what are you doing with all of these boxes? Because Clementine season is ending and we're not going to have any more, but maybe we have something else that we that you could use. So I told him that I, I delivered salad dressing and he's like, well, if you make salad dressing, why haven't you shared it with us? So I gave him some dressing and I didn't know it. He was the store team leader. Uh, I thought he was just the guy in back that handled the boxes, but he was the team leader and he had a background um, in, in uh, he'd been a chef. And he said, when we made a vinaigrette in the restaurant, like we tried to, we tried to make this every single night and some days we got it. Some days we didn't. He's like, you've nailed it. You've nailed the balance. Can I take it up to headquarters and share it with them? So he took my dressing up to headquarters and and shared it with the grocery team, and they liked it. They said that they would put it on their shelves. Um, they they placed an order for one case of um, of the it was the four flavors that I made. So I had four cases. That was the order in one store, and I thought I had it made. It's like this is it. We're off. You know, You're here we go. We're gonna we're, we're look out, Paul Newman, and. Uh, so with that, with Whole Foods as like my first customer, that's when I set about trying to figure out like, okay, you know, how do you make salad dressing legally? Because we were making it in my kitchen and my daughter was peeling the garlic and, and finding out about food licensing and cottage laws and all of these other things that are part of a food business. And so like when Whole Foods gives you an opportunity like that, I feel like you just, you don't say no. And oh. so- the company came about as a result of all of these other things, my brother's dare, my mother's recipe, that one question from the guy at Whole Foods, which I still feel like it was this serendipitous moment where he said, what do you use all these boxes for and changed my life? <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing. Well, and I think every great founder has that kind of story where it, it's sort of a, you know, 
accidental entrepreneur, so to speak, but lots of things. The stars align, and clearly that's what happened for you. So you talked about your brother and his dare and obviously your mom and her recipe, and but you had to have money to create this product. So funding is something that I think many people talk about, especially female entrepreneurs. Actually, somebody was just sharing the stat with me that for venture capital, which is not the only way that people raise money to fund their company, but uh, it used to be 3% of venture capital was given to uh, women. It's now 2%. So not great statistics, but In the early days, you had friends and family. I loved the story. So tell me a little bit about how you initially funded what you were doing. It was the Seven Samurai. I had, um, so I started the company, I was in the middle of a divorce and it was, it was not a good financial picture for me. Uh, And I wasn't going to, I knew that I needed to, um, to work with a co-packer because my dressing is really, really easy to make, but it's hard to get in the bottle. Mm -hmm. It's thick and it's emulsified. And so getting it in the bottle is a hard part. And I was going to need $6,000 to, um, to do a round of production. And so I started just asking friends and, and seven friends said that they would come, come forward. And they, I think each one gave me $5,000. And that was my nest egg with which I could make the first round of production and maybe a second round of production. My seven samurai made everything possible. I mean, they were they were the people who really believed in me and they helped me name the company. They would be testers and they they looked at the labels and, and helped me make all sorts of decisions. And like one of them had an organic farm and her farm through the farm, she knew a chutney company and the chutney company knew a co-packer and the co-packer also worked with Whole Foods. So they knew Whole Foods requirements. And it's like, it, it just became this kind of, red thread that everybody contributed a little something like they they I love it it's like the stone soup of salad dressing you're always grateful for those early people who showed up and who believed in you and what you were doing and and obviously that's the story i think also for so many founders too so how did you come up with the name then dress it up dressing so like all great ideas it was at a boozy dinner party um, when when the guy from Whole Foods said that they were going to bring it in, I I thought I needed to like get get a nice court of advisors around me. So I invited three couples over for dinner, and it was it was like a lawyer. It was a guy who had started uh, his own company, and it was uh, another one who had been who had worked for several startups. It was the Brain Trust. And I told them what I was planning on doing. And at the time, because I knew nothing about food and packaging food, I thought we would put the dressing in bottles that were shaped like iconic dresses. Mm -hmm. And so that way it would, you know, that would be your way of distinguishing yourself on your, like I was thinking, you know, Aunt Jemima's and uh, Mrs. Butterworth and, uh, and not thinking about how much it costs to make a customized bottle. Um, But that was the idea. And so, well, we floated it around. My friend Jim came up with the name Dressed Up Dressing. And for the rest of the night, we tried to come up with something better, but but that one stuck. I love it. No, it's such a great story. So you created your company and have scaled it. It's 10 years in the making. What What is kind of the big differences between you know, what you were doing before and what you're doing today. I mean, do you think that there's any similarities in being a documentary filmmaker versus actually going and creating 
a product. I mean, obviously, you need to educate people about how you're different, um, but I'd love to hear your response to that. There probably are more similarities between making a film and making food than you would expect. There's a adage in filmmaking, garbage in, garbage out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the idea is that if you've, if you don't have good materials, a good script, good cameramen, like all of these components is, it's a place where a weakness would then end up, uh, diluting the quality of the final product. Um, and it's exactly the same with food. It's like, you need good materials handled carefully, carefully chosen, um, treated with respect and then, and then put out into the world, like how you, how you source it has a really big impact on the final product. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then there are the other, in, like that's about the product itself. Then there are all these intangibles because filmmaking is about collaboration and problem solving and creating what you have within a budget. And food is too. Food is incredibly collaborative and you can't do it by yourself. You're constantly trying to solve problems because problems keep on arising. Like in any business, it's, it's, I mean, I don't think you really traipse from success to success. You you go from overcoming one problem to overcoming the next problem. And you have to think on your feet, especially with filmmaking. You're on set. The problem arises right then and there. And we have been on the floor at the manufacturing facility, and the problem will arise right then and there, and you have to address it then. Like, that's one of I mean, that's many ways in which they're similar. But mm-hmm. um, But then at the end of the day, you also are taking a product and putting it out to the public. And, and you you know, wrapped in a story, but then also it becomes something else in the audience's hands. And, and, you know, I can give you salad dressing, but, but what salad are you going to make with it? It's, it's really like, there's a point at which you have to let it go and it takes on a life of its own. Absolutely. How have you gotten the word out about the product? We were working primarily within the Mid-Atlantic region for the first six years. And so word of mouth, we, I sold at farmer's markets. I stood in the aisles doing demos. I've, I've been at every single race and, and place where people were, who are healthy and who have healthy initiatives might be gathered. Um, and now as we've gotten more broad distribution, which has only happened in like the last three years that we've had national distribution, it's really been word of mouth as well because we're small. We can't afford to do the the marketing that a lot of other companies are doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I mean, salad dressing in particular, when you look at the salad dressing aisle, every other brand there on the shelf is owned by a large multinational. I mean, it's very, I, I can maybe think of one, um, but they're, they're well invested in, but they're not owned by a, by a multinational. And so a lot of these brands that we're competing with are established brands that have been in, in people's pantries for years and years. And salad dressing is a place where folks are extremely loyal, um, they, they get their brand and they stick with that their brand. And that's wonderful when it's our brand because we found that people try ours and then all of a sudden they, they realize, you know, it's, it, it tastes completely different from mm-hmm. everything else that's on the shelf. Um, but for us to get the word out, it's a struggle. It's absolutely a struggle. Can we talk about notifications for a second? Who actually leaves those sounds on anymore? Well, besides this one. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere, whether your business is vintage teas or hint water. Shopify makes it possible for businesses to connect with their consumers. 
Shopify powers millions of businesses from first scale to full scale by helping them set up their online store in the vibe they want. You can sell products, gain new customers, and get the data you need to operate your business in a simple and fast way. And with Shopify, you can synchronize your online and in-person sales and view all your sales metrics in one place. You can reach your customers through tons of social media platforms as well, like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram through Shopify's growing suite of social media channels. Shopify has all the sales channels sorted so your business keeps growing from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform too. And if you're looking for a solution that has great customer service support, well, Shopify has that as well. Their team is always super helpful answering any questions that I've had in growing my business. Their team really makes you feel like they have your success in mind. Join me and millions of other businesses on Shopify today and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash Kara, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kara to start selling online today. That's shopify.com slash Kara. Have you mostly focused on retail versus like food service and that whole route? Yeah, so we did start with retail um almost exclusively because that's where that's where Whole Foods was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I guess I didn't know any better. I think if I'd had more awareness about online and Shopify when I started the company, then then maybe we would have focused on online earlier than we did. Mm-hmm. It's something that we really only started to focus on uh in 2020. And then for food service, we launched a product for food service. Um, in February of 2020. So we we got a loan from Whole Foods to produce individual serving sizes of salad dressing. And these were going to be on every salad bar in the mid-Atlantic region of Whole Foods, but they were also going to be at schools and universities and corporate campuses. Um, we had, I think, like five big customers and they hit the shelves February 1st. Um, six weeks later, all the schools closed down, all the corporate campuses mm-hmm. closed down, everything shut down. So we had a longstanding relationship with DC public schools because one of the things I did like to build awareness was I started partnering with schools. I figured children like vegetables that taste good. And when when you use a good dressing, your vegetables taste better. Yeah. So we partnered with schools. It's actually my favorite fact is that the consumption went up. Um, when they started using our dressing rather than the competition at DC public schools. But we had this longstanding partnership with schools in 2020. And so we knew that they were going to be feeding more meals than ever before in wake of the pandemic, because kids who rely on school meals for their food still were being supplied. And so we ended up at first, we were giving salad dressing away. Then we partnered with, um, Jose Andreas and mm-hmm. World Central Kitchen. And we were able to give away something like 30 or 40,000 meals to first responders, the elderly and children in the early days of the pandemic. And that like, I mean, it was wonderful to have a place to put the dressing, but really we had no other place for that dressing to go. And so I say that my first foray into food service was was the victim of just unbelievably bad timing. I'm also happy to say that we're about to relaunch the packets. 
And hopefully we'll do better this time. I love it. I'm sure you will. And I think food service is once again starting to kick into gear as people are starting to go back into the office and frankly wanting to go back into the office too. I think that it's definitely something for corporate cafeterias that is absolutely happening and obviously schools too. So I'm excited about that for you. Is there something as you look back on, you know, the journey that you wish you would have done? You know, thinking back on, I don't know, some people have said, I wish I would have raised money sooner. I wish I would have, you know, not put all my eggs in one basket. I wish I would have fired faster. There are a number of things. I'm like, check, check, check. Yeah. Yeah. Along the way (laughs) that I think I was just interviewing somebody and they uh, shared that, you know, when you're working in a large company and it's not your idea, when you have to let somebody go or somebody decides to leave on their own, you take it a lot less personally. Um, But when it's your idea, that first person who leaves you, it's like, what did I do? You blame yourself. I think it's like this consistent thread along the way. But anyway, I'm curious if there's something that you felt like you didn't do soon enough. Yeah, well, start the salad dressing company. I think I should have been, I've been making this recipe since I was 20 years old and I I only started selling it at 40. I love it. (laughs) I do. I mean, I do often wish that I'd had the opportunity to like that I'd done this as a as a younger person that um, I started the company when I was in my 40s with a family and a mortgage and um, and a lot of responsibility. And I do sometimes get a little envious of, you know, the college roommates that then start their company or, or that, you know, that are living out of their dorm room or in their parents garage. I took out an SBA loan in year two of the business. Mm -hmm. And I took out $150,000 because it cost more to take out $151,000. After 150, you you hit this point at which it was going to be more expensive. So I stopped at 150 and I shouldn't have. I think that that was a really big, that's a big regret because I think having more money in your pocket is always helpful just because things happen, accidents happen. And so I would kind of also say that I wish that I'd um, realized a little bit sooner that if you don't ask, you don't get. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes you it, you're, you have to be so bold in in some of the things that you ask people to do. And and whether it's as, I don't think it's because I'm, I'm a woman, but I think that sometimes just out of being polite, you don't say the things that you feel like you ought to say. And, um, and so I have kind of trained myself to ask things that I would be so uncomfortable having asked otherwise or or previously. And I, I find that now I've got a boldness about the business that I also wouldn't have in my personal life. Or I, if I did, like, I don't think I'd have any friends, but (laughs) no, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so true because if you don't ask, it's not going to happen. Right. And so you can't be uh, procrastinating about it or never saying it because you don't want to impose on somebody in some way. So I absolutely agree. And I think it's something that maybe women are are worse at that um, than men are. But I think it's it's something that is consistent amongst founders for sure. So what have you enjoyed most about creating? I mean, I can't imagine doing anything else, right? I'm a builder. I'm a creator. So for you, I mean, what do you like most about it? 
I mean, I really love the fact that it tests you on every level and that you do have to be, you have to be creative, not just artistic creativity, but, but in how you, how you brand your product, how you finance things. I love being able to bring that creativity into everything that we do, that we, that you can make your company be anything you want. And for me, I always like, I knew what the product was because I had the recipe for the product, but being able to create a company that then shared those same characteristics with the product. And by that, I mean, like we, that we try to be authentic and to have integrity and that your, your brand can represent so much more beyond the obvious and that you can use it in order to promote the missions or the ideas that are important to you. And for me, like I, I care about sustainability. Mm -hmm. And so from day one, we had sustainability woven into our, into, into everything that we did. I, I care about healthy food for, for children. And, um, you know, I'm a mother, so I'm feeding children, but I also look at school lunches and realize that school lunches are, are woefully inadequate. They don't have fresh fruit and vegetables. And so that prompted me to go and partner with schools and say, we will give you dressing at cost. We'll give you dressing below cost if it will help you provide something fresh and healthy on the salad bar at lunch. Then also like being able to, to offer employment Mm -hmm. to women in particular. Like I started dressed up because I couldn't find some, well, I couldn't imagine who would hire me for, for five hours a week on, on Mondays and Thursdays on the days that I didn't have carpool. Um, And so being able to hire people and hire people with skills, but in schedules that perhaps are nonconformist, but that work for them and for their priorities. Like I think being able to fold all of these aspects that are important to you into a business and give that business life and give it a personality beyond just a product looking for a price is is one of the most exciting things about starting a business. Yeah, definitely. I think people who have not started businesses too maybe don't understand. I mean, oftentimes there's no picture, there's no roadmap, right? A lot of what you're doing to others might be creating an, another salad dressing, but to actually walk into, you know, a Whole Foods and not only get it on the shelf, but learn all this new stuff about slotting fees and about um, how do you compete, but then how do you educate people and how do you have your why and all of, you know, the things that you talked about that are really important to your company too. There's no, like, this is what you have to do. This is what you decide you want to do and you put stakes in the ground around it. You're also a B Corp, which is great. How did you make that decision to actually go that route? Well, it happened backwards, <laughs> like everything else with Dress It Up. Yeah. Is that I was already doing these things. I was already, like I wanted every demo we did, I wanted it to be zero waste. And and I wanted the, the company to, like I looked at what's the, what's the life cycle of the products that we're using and how do we use the most sustainable things. And then learned afterwards that there was this thing called a B Corps that kind of graded you and looked at those characteristics and said, okay, these are the standards we expect you to meet. These are the standards we'd like you to meet. And then it raises the bar because you then look at, at how are you going to treat your employees, you know, and you see that there are criteria for treating people, whether it's that you're going to have you know, the obvious ones, healthcare and paid time off, and and then the perhaps the less obvious ones, like a a day for everybody to volunteer and to to have a day or a time where they can pursue other interests and do do their own uh, professional development. Like 
I feel like all of the criteria of within B Corps just helped us be better about the things that we didn't know about and helped us validate the things that we did know about. And I also think that like, back to what I was saying about a company having a personality, like it makes it so that you, you have things that you really believe in and those things that you believe in then become, sometimes they become the, the thing that keeps you going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that for us, like in the pandemic, when we were facing, facing the worst time with the, with the schools closing, like, the fact that we already had that relationship with schools actually is what kept us in business. And so it's, it's like sometimes your why becomes your lifeline. Yeah, and keeps you motivated. I was going to ask you as your last question, like what keeps you motivated on those hard days, those low spikes, right? Uh, you definitely have the high ones when you get into Whole Foods, you're selling lots of products, but what is it that keeps you motivated on those hard days? Um, so we've already exceeded what I ever expected to be able to do with this company. And we've gotten farther than I could have possibly imagined. And Dress It Up sort of came into being at a time when I I wasn't at my very best at all. Um, but it got me out of it. And it provided this sort of new path mm-hmm. um, that was not the one that I was expecting. And what motivates me every single day is the fact that like it gave me a purpose that I wasn't seeing it at the time. And then it gave me a tool by which to plow all of my passion and all of my energy into something that was bigger than just me. And that now hopefully is doing everything I would want it to do. It's feeding children in schools. It's promoting health and wellness. It's protecting the environment. It's, it's, like, I can't quit. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. I, there are days when I really, really want to, but I can't. We, we've come too far, and I feel like it's, it, it would really be doing a disservice to all of the opportunities that have been given to me to, to stop. Well, and I think you touched on this, employees that you're giving jobs to, also consumers who write to you who say, finally, there's a dressing that I want to buy that is yummy. Obviously, you're, you know, I think feedback is so critical. I always tell people, especially people who aren't in the food industry, that, you know, that's what keeps people going. So if you love a product, definitely tell people that you love that product because it's hard being an entrepreneur. And I think people really do need that feedback. So I absolutely Love everything that you're doing. If uh, you have not tried Sophia's product, definitely go to your local store. Also, you mentioned you're doing direct-to-consumer now. I wish we had more time to talk about all of this, but Dress It Up Dressing is absolutely terrific. So thank you so much for sharing everything with us, Sophia. Really, really love it. Thanks all for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And I want to thank all of our guests and our sponsors. And finally, our listeners, keep the great comments coming in. And one final plug, if you have not read or listened to my book, Undaunted, please do so. You will hear all about my journey, including founding, scaling, and building the company that I founded, Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for 
anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.